Welcome to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast, where we dive into your inner world to explore all of the psychological, emotional, energetic, and spiritual components that may be influencing your struggle with food and eating. I'm your host, Sarah Emily Spears, a trained psychotherapist and energy worker who recovered from my own eating disorder. And now I help women just like you do the inner work to address the real issues keeping you stuck in your problematic eating patterns. Because I assure you, your problem with food is about way more than food. So join me and guest experts as we discuss the psychology of eating and healing and empower you with tangible steps you can take today to begin to improve your relationship with food and yourself from a place of true nourishment and care. Shana Ray is a somatic attachment coach and therapist who believes in the healing power of embodiment. She has dedicated her career to helping moms and aspiring moms break free from their mental health struggles and find balance within their mind, body, and soul so that they can release their triggers and thrive in motherhood. She uses a combination of techniques from adult attachment repair, internal family systems, hypnosis, breathwork, and sound healing to assist her clients in creating a new sense of peace and well-being in their nervous system so they can feel confident in their abilities to raise a secure, attached child that can thrive in this unpredictable world. This conversation is so insightful, especially because a lot of the women who I work with are mothers, and the biggest stress that they experience is as a mother and parenting. So if you're a parent who's worried about how you're raising your children, and either that's creating stress for you that's causing you to binge eat or emotionally eat, or you're worried about passing these patterns onto your kids and you want to break these patterns, I encourage you to save this episode and tune in so you can learn all about how you can begin to do the inner work for yourself while also supporting your children in co-regulating their nervous systems in really efficient and valuable ways. Hey, Shana. Hey, Sarah. Welcome. I'm so excited to be with you and, and dive into this conversation. Me too, because our conversation is really going to be tailored towards all the moms out there or moms to be like any woman who really desires to be a mother, whatever that means to you. You sort of are a specialist when it comes to, I'm going to say, mommy mental health and Mm -hmm. women's health, you know. Um, And that's so important for my audience because the women that come to this podcast and who I work with. Many of them are moms who are motivated to do the inner work so they can improve their food and eating issues because they want to be better mothers, because they don't want to pass patterns onto their children. But often mothering is one of the biggest stressors in their life that contributes to their struggles. And so this is a really just important topic, and I'm so glad to have you here to share your wisdom and knowledge on the subject. Yes, I'm so excited. I think motherhood is such a massive initiation that isn't honored enough. And I think it's so exciting that this next generation of moms or women that aspire to be moms have that awareness of like, hey, I want to work on myself so I can support my little one so I can feel better. It's it's really beautiful to witness. Right. And there's this shift from like, oh, it's selfish and right. moms who are just taking care of everyone to realizing I'm actually not as good at showing up for them, my children, if I'm not taking care of me. Yeah, 100%. I always say my clients, it's not selfish to put your needs first. It's the most selfless thing you can do because when your cup is filled, you can give to your loved ones from such a deeper, more authentic place. So it's beautiful. Yeah. 
So you're a somatic attachment coach. Yes. And I would love for you to just start by explaining what that is, because we hear those words, somatic attachment. It's like, what, what does that actually mean? What does that look like? So let's start there. Yes, I love that. I feel like it's a fairly new title too. So anytime someone's like, oh, what's the work you do? And I say, oh, I'm a somatic attachment coach and therapist. They're like, can you explain more? I don't think there's a single person that has known like, oh, I know exactly what you're pointing to with that. So I'd love to expand on that further. So somatic has to do with the body and attachment has to do with repairing your attachment system and your attachment trauma. So I was trained by Peter Cummings, who created the adult attachment repair model. He's absolutely incredible, has been in the field for 30, 40 years doing this work. And it's a bottom up approach versus a top down. You know, a lot of therapy originally was about, let's talk about our problems. Let's like talk to create insight. And although insight is so important and it's a part of the journey and gives you such beautiful breakthroughs, the trauma is held in our body. So although it's incredible to talk about it or to integrate or to really understand what happened, it's equally, if not more important to go to the body first. The body has the full story. We don't need to know specific memories. We just need to drop into the direct experience and the emotions. So that's what I do with my clients is we, we just flip-flop the order, if you will. We go into the body to feel these suppressed sensations and emotions, and then we can talk, have the natural insight flood your system from that space. And so if you're wondering, like, what is attachment trauma, Shana? Like, what are you even pointing to with this? So... The way I describe it is trauma is really just anything where you couldn't process the energy of that experience, right? And so as little ones, you're you're very uh, little helpless creature that needs another being there, right? So in order for us to self-regulate as adults, we need co-regulation when we're younger. And so basically, if you were feeling an overwhelming experience as an infant, and your mom or dad or the caretaker at the time wasn't there to co-regulate your nervous system, that trauma, that overwhelming experience just was held in your body. So that's attachment trauma. A lot of people get hung up like, but I had a happy childhood and I don't understand why I'm feeling this way. And it's like, totally, we can hold that. You had this incredible childhood, but I'd like to argue innocently parents didn't know about the attachment system or Uh, what it takes to actually co-regulate your nervous system as an infant, like in an effective way. So although you could have this incredible childhood and loving parents, maybe there, there could be little nuances that they just didn't know how to hold you in that. So it could be so innocent, but it really does impact our lives. So that's what we get to do in sessions with my clients. I always say there's a quote that says something like, it's never too late to have that happy childhood. And I think What he was pointing to is like in these sessions, we get to just repair what was missed out, meaning we get to co-regulate your nervous system with these sensations and emotions that pop up so you can change the ending so you can have better self-regulation skills as adults. So it's basically we're healing the inner child, the wounded inner child, so you can be this regulated adult and move in the world from your adult, if you will. Right. And not from the wounded child. Yeah, exactly. This fits perfectly with women who struggle with emotional eating, because what I teach is that if a child didn't have parents to help them co-regulate, they find ways to self-regulate. Yes. So most of my women had learned at a very young age 
if I'm scared, if I'm upset, if mom and dad aren't home, which is often I see a lot of times is that they were just alone a lot. And if you're alone without a parent, there's no caretaker to regulate you at all. So you're left to your own devices to find a way to feel better. And for a lot of people, especially children, right, they have easy access to food. And so a lot of times there was self-regulating with food to soothe instead of actually having the co-regulative experience with an adult or caregiver. Mm -hmm. And so then over time, that just becomes this unconscious habit. And then adults come to me like you saying, I don't understand. No, I had a great childhood loving parents. Why do I, you know, I can't seem to control myself around food. And there's such like so many layers to this. Yes. And you didn't have to have a big, huge traumatic childhood or abusive parents to still be experiencing sort of the, the side effects of still an absence of I guess, secure attachment or, you know, co-regulation. Yes. I love that you're pointing to that. Cause I think we can shame ourselves for these survival strategies we created. And that's what I always like to highlight to clients. It's like, no, thank God you created that strategy. Thank God you reached for food for comfort because no one was there. So it's like, we're not trying to shame the strategies that you created. It's like what you and I are doing with our clients is we're like upgrading the system, if you will, of giving more nourishing strategies to support your system. But it's nothing to be like, oh God, why do I do that? It's like, you would not be here quite literally if you didn't come up with these strategies because no one was there. So like really honoring the genius of your system to create a strategy to get you to each developmental stage when there was some misses. Right. So it's, I think it's, it kind of is step one is to realize like the genius of your system. And it's not, it's always working for you, even though it doesn't feel like it. Trust me, like the harsh self talk or reaching for food doesn't feel great. I deeply empathize with that, but it got you here. And I think what's so cool about being an adult, like as a kid, you don't really, you, you get the parents you get, you got to just keep going. You can't drive a car. You can't pick up a phone to reach out to you or I, right? But as an adult, you have that gift of choice to repair what was missed. So you have more healthy, effective strategies that that nurture your well-being so much better. Yeah, that really is a powerful reframe when yeah. we can dissolve the shame that was attached to our struggle and like, what's wrong with me? And why do I keep doing this thing? It's like, well, that thing was actually a really adaptive survival strategy. So it makes sense. Like your brain did its job and it did its job so well that actually now you've trained yourself to operate from this place. So we get to just fortunately repattern, but that yeah. does take time. You know, it's not like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not like they do one session with you and they're like, my attachment is repaired. Like this is a process. Yes, 100%. I think we're, we all want the quick fix. So once again, I deeply empathize for that, like, oh, like, let's just like shift things right away and like totally. But even Peter Cummings, who's the expert in attachment, has done all the neuroscience research. He even points to the fact that like through neuroscience, it shows we only shift through incremental changes over time. And that's important in the journey is to not be hard on yourself because it is these little shifts. And as you meet with you and I, you know, over and over again, because you have to realize like these, these patterns we have, they didn't just develop overnight. It was repeated over and over and over again. Right. 
So in order to repair it, we need their corrective experience over and over and over again. And the good news, it's not going to take you 20, 30, 40 years to like completely rewire that, but it is going to take more than a couple of days or a couple of months. And, and that's how we heal. And if the, let's say growing up, the parent wasn't available to co-regulate. Yeah. The good news is it doesn't require the parents now to be able to repair. So when you're like talking about these corrective experiences, it's like you as the facilitator get to be the sort of the person who steps in to provide the missed need. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. It's like we get to play the role of the surrogate parent of what should have happened. And I think that's the beautiful part about this work. We don't have to repair it with that exact person in order to heal. And I think that's a, a beautiful thing. And I, but I also think there can be a process with that because we want it to be our mom. We want it to be our dad that changes their ways and comes back and repairs totally. And I think sometimes for a client, I've noticed stage one is actually grieve what you wanted your parents to be for you. And then step two is then we, it's like, oh, but I have someone now. I have someone that's going to catch me. That's going to help hold me through the emotional experience. So maybe step one needs to happen first of like, shifting into acceptance of, okay, it's not going to be my, my caretaker, but I have somewhere to go now. And what I think is so fascinating about this work, energy work or working with attachment systems is that typically, ironically, once you let go and process the grief and the pain of what you wanted your parents to be, I see it all the time that all of a sudden the parent comes into their life and wants to repair things or wants to understand them or picks up the phone to ask them how they're doing. They're like, Shane, I've never had this happen. So I think it's cool is that you repair what was missed with somebody else. Who knows? There's there's so many beautiful ways where they come back into your life or just like some things that you're like, I wouldn't have anticipated. And it all came from you just taking ownership of your healing journey, repairing what was missed grieving what you wanted them to be and accepting them for who they are, that, that things can shift in a beautiful way. Yeah. And that internal healing really has positive ripple effects that we can't necessarily anticipate or guess how it's going to play out. But it's like, as you shift something within yourself, it makes sense that of course that shifts in other people or in other dynamics because we're all interconnected on some level. Yeah. Oh, we are definitely interconnected. It's such, it's such a trip. Like I had a client that had a lot of trust issues with men because her dad broke her trust over and over and over again. And he just didn't want to be in her life at all. And as we repaired her attachment system and what was missed, and that was another thing, another great point is like her issues were with her dad. Like I'm a woman and I didn't need to be a a man to actually repair trust issues with men. It was just being able to feel the pain of getting that miss with someone processing all the way through. Now all her dad calls her all the time to check in and see how she's doing and honors her boundaries so easily. And like they're deeper connected than ever before. And it's so cool. It's like it all came from her letting go of it being her dad, getting the need met somewhere else, building that confidence, that trust in relationship. And then it naturally just happened. (laughs) It's beautiful. I love that. I've I've seen and witnessed similar stories. And um, it's really cool when it works out that way. 
like the the delighted bonus of your healing journey. Yeah, totally. And it's something that I I did a podcast episode on mine, um, the Mama Embodied podcast recently of how how resting and being achieves more than doing. I know this was kind of a talking point you wanted to dive into. So I'm kind of like, this is kind of a perfect snowball. Um, Because I think when we're dealing with hardship or struggles, it's like, okay, I need to like, for instance, if I'm feeling sad, okay, I need to do something to get out of the sadness, right? Um, And that gets exhausting, right? We end up, it's like when we're trying to force or change something and not accepting what is, it actually almost like grips on stronger, if you will. And so this concept of resting and being helps you just surrender to your experience more. And that's why I love adult attachment repair model, because you're basically just noticing and naming what your sensations are or emotions are without having to fix or change them and allowing me to ride that wave with you. So it's the beautiful training grounds to develop that like, oh, there's a pendulum swing. We're not always going to be happy and blissed out all the time. It's impossible. And that's not how our nervous system works. Like we're going to get dysregulated or we're going to get sad or angry or feel shame. Right. And so when we learn how to not make that wrong or bad and just accept being with what is, it naturally flows. And like the insight you were searching for and working so hard to do, do, do to get actually naturally comes to you just resting in the being. So that's kind of what I mean by like resting and being achieving more than doing. And I mean, it's a whole paradigm shift to go. It's not so easy. So when you hear this and you're like, Shana, that doesn't seem very easy. Totally. That's why we do this work. Like, that's why you come to Sarah. That's why you come to me. Um, We're not meant to learn this skill set on our own. But over time, you do realize it does get to be easier than what we were taught. It's like being with what is without having to fix or change is is really the doorway to getting you where you want to go. And I would add for my audience, it's like resting with what's arising instead of doing meaning instead of just going to eat, because that's often how this shows up. It's like the millisecond there's internal discomfort or dysregulation or stress. It's like the brain is immediately going into what can I do or what can I eat? to make this feel better. And what you're pointing to is like, no, we're, we're learning to recognize that impulse to do, to eat, to soothe. And instead we're getting more and more comfortable with sitting with the discomfort, with allowing that energy, whether it's sadness or anger to actually fully be, be with it, present with it, let it arise, let it flow and then liberate it through being with it, which actually means you're not doing anything except allowing your presence to like recognize what's happening and not distract. Yes. Cause I think our whole, like how we're raised, our culture, our society has labeled, like if you're feeling negative emotions, something's wrong with you. Right. So that's why as soon as we do that, we're like, let's go into distraction mode. Like let's, let's go to food. Let's binge watch Netflix. Oh my God. I've had a couple glasses of wine. I'm almost finished the bottle. Right. We go into these other strategies just because we weren't taught that it's safe to feel that you're not wrong or broken because you got emotions, but that's why we created these strategies. Cause we're like, Oh, if I have emotions, that means I'm bad or wrong. How can I avoid feeling bad or wrong? Right. And the reason why we also developed that lack of co-regulation in our childhood, if we were co-regulated in our childhood, it would have given us the transmission like, oh, it's okay to feel this. Like, oh, it's normal. Like I'm going to feel sad because Sally took my toy. You know, that's okay. Let me ride that out and then I'll be okay. <laughs> right. We didn't understand that bounce back 
that comes from just accepting what is and being with what is. So we created strategies and like we've talked about, like I, I love repeating because it's like the mind learns by repetition. So if you're like, Shane has already repeated that, um, that's just kind of how I operate because it's nice to hear it in different ways. But um, it's just so important to to learn how to be with the emotions and it's easier to learn that skill set with somebody. Yeah, learning how to process emotions, building emotional awareness are skills. Mm-hmm. And if we actually didn't have the opportunity to learn those skills and practice those skills as a child, it's like an underdeveloped muscle or skill set that many of us as adults are like, oh, I never learned this. I never got this. Okay, now I need to go back and learn this, what seems like it should be a natural human thing, feel my feelings. Why is this so hard? But it's because, especially in our society, we were so taught to be in the mental field and in the mind and think and figure it out and find the solution and do something about it, that a lot of us missed this fundamental piece, which is what you get to, you know, help people essentially experience and and learn how to do through co-regulation. And I'm curious, can you describe a bit more like what co-regulation looks like or means? Because I can hear people who are like, I don't know what you're talking about. What does that actually look like? Like, how do I co-regulate? You know, it's it's like can be frustrating when you're like, I don't get it. <laughs> totally. And I think like it, you're hearing the word co-regulation more on mainstream media and like the holistic psychologist, which is incredible, but I agree. No one's giving context. So everyone's like, totally the answer is co-regulation, but like, how the hell do you do that? Um, so that's why I love working with one-on-one clients. I even have a group program. It'll reopen in the new year, but I'm teaching them that skill set because it's important to learn how to give and receive co-regulation. So I'll try my best to give a little summary and a little bit more context that your listeners can take home with them instead of thinking like, okay, I know co-regulation is the answer, but how the hell do you do it? So basically co-regulation, if you're the space holder for someone that's feeling an overwhelming emotion, it's about being with them without trying to fix or change them and letting that emotion just ride. Like your body is so intelligent. I was about to swear. I, I'm <laughs> so effing intelligent. Okay. It's so intelligent. It knows how to move through these emotions and it's so much easier to flow through them with a loving, empathetic witness by your side. I think everyone has such great intentions. They want to just help that person. So you do try to troubleshoot or like, it's okay. Look at the bright side, blah, 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 blah. But these emotions are energy and they're not going to move through telling someone it's going to be okay. It's like, it's more like being with them and, Hey, I'm going to feel that with you. Um, even the neuroscience points to it takes two brains to regulate one, not one brain to regulate one too, no matter what. So it's just having another nervous system there to process the energy of whatever you're experiencing actually lets it metabolize. So I want to give your uh, audience, I created these like five little bullet points to to think about to hold your alignment when you're co-regulating with someone. Ooh, I love this. Yes. So if you if you're dealing with your child, a friend, your partner, and they're crying or they're angry, if you want to co-regulate with them, I want you to think of these five things when you're just being with them. So first one, breathing. Make sure you're breathing. When someone's crying, it sounds so simple, but when someone's crying or is angry, 
what do we kind of naturally do on an unconscious level? We hold our breath and we're like getting too locked into their experience. Like, like, oh my God, like, are they going to be okay? Right. So just noticing your breath while you're with them helps you like, Hey, I, I have my system I'm with them, but you're not like going on the ride with them. You're not merging with your, their experience. You're, you're, you're with you and them. So that breathing is just like, okay, I noticed my breath. There's something about that alignment that just shifts versus getting lost in their emotions or like, Oh no, are they going to be okay? So make sure your breathing is number one. I say agendaless. So you're not trying to make anything happen, right? It's an agendaless presence of like, I just want to be here with you because you're feeling the feels. That's it, right? Um, not attached to an outcome. So the cool thing about co-regulation is like you get to take the pressure off. You're not trying to make anything happen. You're not trying to make the breakthrough for them. You got to trust that they're going to get the breakthrough. Their their systems are smart as hell, right? So not attaching, like taking the pressure off of you to just be with them and being agendaless is important. So we got breathing, agendaless, not attached to an outcome, unconditional love for all the parts. So no matter if they're upset or happy in a moment or whatever, just loving every part that they're they're coming up with. It's just so important that we have a loving, empathetic presence for all the parts that are coming up for someone in that space. And the last one is, I think, the most important one of all. Uh, I believe that the way we view people directly impacts their nervous system. So the last alignment point is, I say, see them in their true essence. And what I mean by true essence is like, know that they're already whole, like this thing that they're feeling, the the emotion, the trauma that they're facing, like it's not all of who they are. It's just a part of the human experience and holding them in the knowing that they're going to get through this. Like you don't even have to say anything to them. It's more just like knowing like they got this, right? If you're, you're holding the knowing that they got this, that's going to support them so much more than being like, oh my God, I'm here for them because they're not going to get through this. And I like, they need me, right? Two brains to co-regulate one. Like that energy is a lot more stressful and not going to help them than being like, hey, I got you. Yeah, you're feeling that? You got that. We can feel that together. So even that subtle shift, like, can't you already feel a little bit more relaxed? Like, oh yeah, I can. Okay, it's okay to feel the sadness. So um, those are kind of my my alignment points for co-regulation. I love those. I want the listeners to go write those down. And it's one thing to hear them and it's another thing to experience them. And what I'm really hearing you point out is like for women to be aware of that like savior syndrome. Like it's natural that we want to like help people feel better. We're natural nurturers. And when you see your child or someone you care about, in pain, it makes sense that we want to take the suffering and pain from them, but that is not how you are actually going to support them in learning how to co-regulate. And if anything, you're now taking on energy and emotions and exacerbating your own internal term- turmoil, which doesn't support either of you. Mm-hmm. And so for the woman, you know, who's like, but I do want to make them feel better. You know, it's like, check the agenda. That's actually not your job through just being with them, your child or whoever you're supporting as they're going through their emotional experience, you're teaching them that they have the capacity to process their emotions for themselves. You're teaching them how to do that for themselves, which is one of the best gifts you could give them. Oh, totally. But that also means you have to know how to do that for yourself. 
And, and that's why starting with you matters. Because if you've not experienced that, if you haven't had someone who can hold the space for you, for you to actually know what it's like to be met in that way, then it's harder to be able to turn around and, and do that for somebody else. I completely agree. I have like full body chills. I'm like, yes, Sarah, like, yes, yes, yes. That's why I created my podcast. It's called mama embodied. It's like in order for us to embody what we want to teach our kids, we need to learn how, what it feels like to receive that. So working with you, working with me to learn, like, this is what we missed out on in childhood. So we're repairing that. And so as you repair that and like get the transmission of like, what someone holding their alignment as you're feeling emotions feels like. And it's not going to be something you got to figure out with the mind. It's more like going to session and just being with your experience and just noticing that we're there for you, but it's a different flavor than what you've gotten before. So as you get that more and more and more, like you pointed to, it's naturally easier to give that to your kids, to give that to your partner. Um, But it starts with you embodying it first. Yeah, that's one of the biggest motivators that moms I work with have for doing this work is their children. Mm-hmm. They are so motivated to be the best mom they can be, to not pass on the patterns and wounding that they experience, especially with food and eating. And it's such a, a beautiful why that I admire so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy. I'm like, if you're you caring about your children so much, forces you to care about yourself. Great. Like it it really does require you to take care of you first in order to support your kiddos. And, and I know that you talk about different types of parenting patterns and, you know, really you can help moms better understand maybe how they were parented and how that affects them and then their own parenting patterns and how that might affect their kids. Can you speak a little bit about these parenting patterns? Yes, yes. And I'm so excited because it's based on the five personality patterns, which I know you're well versed in, like incredibly well. I love that we've used the same maps. And- I am, but I haven't really talked about it on this podcast yet. So this is probably Ooh. our first formal introduction to the five personality patterns. Oh, I'm beyond excited for that. That's great. Yeah. So I, what's cool is with this five personality patterns map is you can really use it for so many different niches. Like I, you know, Aaron Porter does it for business and energetics. You can use the personality patterns. For me, I've found that it's so incredible to use for um, being a mother and how to attune to your kid when they're expressing a personality pattern. Like I have a, we'll go, we'll go and journey through the five personality patterns, but it's, it's cool. Cause once you understand the map, like I have a client, she has three kids and One's emerging, one's emerging comp, and one's an aggressive pattern. And it's cool as I've known this map. I don't have kids yet. I <laughs> like, and it's wild because they'll explain something that their kid is doing. I'm like, let me guess. They're saying this, they're acting this way, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, how, how, how do you know my kid more than like, you, you've never even met my kid. How do you know that they do that? And it's like this five personality pattern map is that spot on. Um, And so as I've been teaching them, like, hey, this is when they express this pattern. This is how this pattern likes to be met. They're like, Shana, this is this is incredible. Like, because the truth is everyone feels seen, heard and understood in a different way than someone. So there's not a like um, one specific way that a person feels seen, heard and understood. There is nuances. And so what works for someone isn't going to work for another person. And that's why I love this map because it's more about understanding we flow through all the patterns. So 
it's more like noticing the signs and symptoms of that pattern when it pops up and be like, okay, what helps them feel seen, heard, and understood? And just going with that and not even repairing the survival strategies of that pattern, if you will. So it's so so valuable because I'm even thinking of myself where there have been times where I'm like treating someone how I would want them to treat me. And it's like not working. And I'm like, I don't understand though. Like, and so then I do more of it because I'm like, but this is what I would want more of. And, and it like totally backfires, you know? And so to have already a, a map and an awareness of, oh, not everybody is the same and different patterns require different responses can probably save people a ton of heartache, headache, frustration, trying to figure it out on their own. Totally. I couldn't agree with you more. I love that you gave that tangible example. I think people are going to relate to that so much because it's like, we all mean well, we want to help that person. And then when they don't respond well, you're like, what the, like that helps me. So let me crank up the notch even more. And they're like, no, that's not it. Um, So it's cool because it's, if you're ever not seeing eye to eye with someone, probably nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 times, it's because they're living from a different personality pattern with you. Basically they're seeing reality in a a slightly different way than you. So once again, it's not a right versus wrong view on life. It's more like they're just seeing things through a different lens than you. So instead of trying to get people to do your way, it's more like, oh, I notice what, what they're expressing. Let me but let me meet them where they feel seen, heard, and understood and hope someone can meet me where I feel seen, heard, and understood, you know? Right. We also want that for ourselves. Yes. yes. So that's what's great about like working with us. We know this map so well that we can give the corrective experience when they um, pop up with a pattern. Because once I, <laughs> with my clients, I notice like they'll express one pattern. We start repairing that pattern, getting that need met. That one goes down and bloop another pattern pops up and that's beautiful, right? It's like, we get to just meet every inner child that didn't get that corrective experience, meet them where they're at. So what's also cool about this map, you guys, is as you heal and repair the ruptures, the quote unquote distortions, you get to access more of the gifts. Cause I want to highlight, this isn't always about like, let's heal, let's work the pieces. Like we do this to get to the well being. And remember, if you've gone through trauma Yes, it uh, uh, you acquire some negative aspects that you're heal- here to heal, totally. And you also acquired a lot of incredible skill sets because you went through that trauma. So that's what we're here to do is like repair the distortion so you get more of the gifts. We want you to be this dynamic, well-rounded being. You get to utilize that more when we repair these missed experiences. Which is another great buy-in for doing the inner work. Like, oh, yes. and then I get to enhance and step into more and more of the gifts that these have given me. Yes, because I think also what blocks us from being present is these survival strategies. So as we repair these survival strategies, we get to be more present in our lives. We get to access the well-being that can bounce back from harder times with more ease, that can really appreciate where where they're at in life right now. Like we do this to get to that versus like constantly heal, 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 if you will. Right. Yeah. Healing has a place, but it's exhausting to have to be doing that all the time. Like that's not the actual goal. The goal is to live a full, you know, fulfilling life, a satisfying life with the ones that you love and in relationships and connections. Yeah. 
So these personality patterns. Yes, let's go. Which back are to also that. technically survival patterns. Yes. So yeah, they kind of intermix between person. Like if if me and Sarah say personality patterns or survival strategies, just know it's the same thing. Right. Can we dive into like what yes. the, the main ones are? The five, so they can have a little overview. Yes, I love this. So, do you want me to talk about like the rupture that creates that and how it expresses? Do you want me to talk about it in really like relation to parenting patterns, like what they're doing just in states of overwhelm with each pattern? You know, there's a lot of different ways we can attack this. We might need a part two. To- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I also have like kind of a map of like how to attune to your kid when they're expressing a different pattern. So of different areas we can, Let's we can start, start with one. with option A. Cool. Yeah. To start. Yes. So the leaving pattern. So this happens from when you're in the womb of your mama to six months. And this is when something kind of just shocks the spirit from coming into the body. Um, and so basically how this pattern is expressed, a sign or symptom of this is like, if you're really overwhelmed, you want to leave the room. You want to like get out is a very practical way. It's like leaving pattern, very self-explanatory. When things get overwhelming, you're like, let me get some space, right? Merging pattern, moving on to the next one. This has to do with when you're an infant taking in nourishment. Um, so that's being fed, being loved, being cuddled, lots of co-regulation here, right? And so if you're expressing a merging pattern, when you're feeling overwhelmed, you might, a sign or symptom could be like when you're overwhelmed, you merge with someone like, I need you to help me to get through this. Um, So merging, merging with someone's experience. Now this pattern breaks into two. So it could be emerging and then emerging compensated. So how the merging compensated is expressed, so same developmental disappointment of not getting enough nourishment, but the way they cope is like, let me take care of you. So they're merging with someone's experience, but being like the rescuer instead of the rescuee of like, hey, I got you because there's a fear of abandonment. So they get their needs some somehow taken in by taking care of you because it's like now you need them so they're like okay that feels a lot safer than to feel helpless than to feel needy so the merging compensated doesn't want to feel needy so that's why they're like how are you doing i'm fine even though subconsciously i'm not um, but how are you doing whereas the merging's like no I, I need you like help me um aggressive pattern so this has to do aggressive and the next one i'm going to talk about enduring kind of have a very similar developmental struggle of just autonomy. Um, And the aggressive pattern, a sign and symptom of this is when you're overwhelmed in connection, you might power over and get bigger. Um, Or you could get really sweet to get what you want. So the aggressive pattern has kind of two ways it could express. Um, And then the enduring pattern, it's more like your safety is being deep in your body. It's like your protective strategy, if you will. It's like you retreat in your body because someone's powering over and you don't like, it's almost like if you express something, they're going to like beat you down with words and you're like, I don't want to go there. So I'm just going to go internally in my body to protect myself um, from that overwhelm, if you will. 
Um, and then the last one, rigid, which I think is very popular in our society, like being loved for what you do. The best way they describe this pattern is like, I am my achievements and so are you. Um, so this pattern feels really overwhelmed if they're not doing something. So I'm sure a lot of mamas are like, it's not safe to rest, right? I got to do the things. I got to take care of my kids. They almost feel a little bit more regulated. I guess, I don't know if it's necessarily the right word regulated, but it feels safer to just keep doing a lot of things and achieving and getting shit done. Um, And there's a lot of dysregulation that comes with like, let me just rest and like rest is safe. You know, you see a lot of Instagram posts that's like rest is just as productive as doing things, right? But for a rigid pattern, it can actually feel really dysregulating to rest. So that's kind of a journey into the patterns. That was a really fast way to break it down, but let me know if there's any questions. It was fast, but a great introduction and overview, right? So just to repeat, there was leaving pattern, merging, merging compensation, aggressive, enduring, and rigid. And if, you know, people are curious, they can always start by reading the five personality patterns. So there's a book that you can get that covers all the patterns more in depth. This was a great intro. And oftentimes we run multiple patterns, right? So you may relate to some. I know for me, the leaving pattern, which unbeknownst to me was one of my dominant patterns. I had no idea I was doing that. I was so, I left so frequently. It was like not even in my awareness. And the rigid, rigid pattern is one, as you were even speaking, right? And and you're right. I would say most people who come to me in our culture have some form of a rigid pattern where they've been conditioned to do and what I do and what I achieve is what my value is. And it's really hard to break out of that conditioning. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on that. And as you were naming resting, literally this morning, I was doing a session where I was the participant. And I was like, I have just been doing, doing, doing. And even when I try to rest, I'm not actually resting. I was like, Mm -hmm. my mind is going and I'm not letting my body actually rest. Like I can, I can tell it's happening and even still it's hard to break out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So awareness alone isn't enough to shift out of the pattern. That's why you do need somebody else who can hold the space and kind of transmit to you what it is to actually experience rest in your nervous system. To not have to hold the doing all of the time by yourself. And yeah, and it's even then really challenging. So I just want to name that like you may identify with some of these patterns, multiples. There may be some where you're like, that doesn't sound like me at all. And actually through deeper exploration, you're like, oh my God, I've been doing that my entire life and had no idea. So if you really love introspection and self-discovery and you've never read or explored five personality patterns, I think this could be a great invitation to get curious and, and start to dive into that world because it can be pretty profound and life-changing. Absolutely. Because like you said, I so many talking points you just said, I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. Because I feel like this map holds, like, like you said, awareness is not the quick fix. It's like not understanding these patterns. It's like you need the reparative experience with another person, right? That co-regulation to really repair the patterns. But I love this map. Just even you, I'm sure as you've been hearing us talking and flowing through these patterns, it kind of takes the pressure off of like, there wasn't anything wrong with you. It was actually, once again, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, 
these strategies, thank God you did them. And you did them because no one was there to co-regulate you. So when you, when these patterns just naturally pop up, which they will all throughout your life, when they pop up, it's more like, oh, I notice I'm in this pattern. Let me go repair that and get, receive co-regulation. Yeah. So I want to just keep reading. It just takes the pressure off. There's nothing wrong with you. Something actually happened to you to create these patterns and how cool is it that we understand this map and you can go to someone like Sarah or me to repair what was missed so you can access the gifts these patterns truly have. Yeah. And what are some of those gifts? What does that look like? Yeah. So, oh my goodness, we could really dive into that. So the gifts for, for leaving, I you're able to really track people's experiences really well. I think you have a really beautiful awareness with people and can feel them on a, on a deeper level than the average person. A lot of people have a lot of psychic gifts also from this pattern, which is fun because you are very connected to the spiritual world, if you will. Um, merging it's kind of like the divine mother energy. Like you have a lot of like compassion and softness and can really empathize with people and meet them where they're at. Merging compensated, you got the divine father energy. That's so loving compassion, but in a different flavor of like, you can hold it all. Like it's really like there's discernment here. There's deep trust here in that person that can hold you. So this, this pattern is, um, they can hold a lot for someone and really help someone feel really seen and loved in that way. Aggressive. These are incredible leaders. So you think of a Tony Robbins as a very textbook aggressive pattern. So as you heal the distortion, this, this pattern is magnetic as hell. Um, and people want to listen to them and they have some mission on their heart that, um, people want to follow. Um, so that's a really beautiful pattern. Enduring, I, I, pers- I think because we have a little bit of leaving in us, I think n- enduring patterns are very nourishing to be around um, for us. Um, they just have a beautiful ground about them. Um, you really feel safe and held by an enduring pattern. Um, they can hold a lot in a different way. Like I, like I keep saying, a grounded way. There's, there's a, a deep trust um, and a slowness. Um, so this pattern is really good at like, going, going the, it's all about, they're okay going the marathon. Like they trust that everything is happening in divine timing and they have a beautiful pace about them. That's not rushing to get to the next thing. They're like, no, this is going to happen. And let's just flow through the journey and be okay with the slowness. Um, And the rigid, they just have genius minds. So they can really map out something really well. Like for instance, they can build like see a pain point someone has and like, let me orchestrate and create the course or a map for someone to understand this better. Um, So they just have a beautiful genius mind about them. So I think that's kind of the overarch. There's more gifts, if you will, but those are like the main ones that you could get from every pattern. Yeah. And people may hear themselves in some of those gifts too, right? That I am. I am someone who it's reflected to is so warm or compassionate or people always tell me they just feel safe in my presence. Like, you know, it's, it's different than a gift of like, Oh, I'm a talented musician. It's like, no, this is just like innate to your beingness. Mm -hmm. And it's some of the positive qualities that you possess that maybe you often overlook or don't even recognize as like a beautiful gift that you actually have. That is 
valuable. Like it's adding value to people's lives for you to really embody this aspect. Yeah. I love that you're highlighting that because although you can heal the distortions to access more of the gifts, the truth is you, you have gifts already. Like you didn't have, there's certain patterns that they're, they're, you already have the gifts. You don't have to do the healing to get there, if you will. So I love that you're pointing to like, you, as we walked and journeyed through it, you might already notice like, oh, I do have that gift or I'm always reflected that. So that's beautiful and natural. And as you heal, that doesn't go away. That's a part of your being. That's a part of your essence. And all we're doing here is like adding more, <laughs> adding more to the incredible gifts that you already have. Yeah. And for myself, I know the just the new recognition of these gifts was really supportive and me feeling more confident in who I am, not who I'm trying to be, or I think I should be right. According to all the beliefs and all the comparison we have, but it's like this really getting to understand self and feel really at peace with, with who I am and who I get to become more of. Cause I'm not trying to be something that just isn't innately me. Yeah. And, and I see that so often, right? The comparison, trying to be like somebody else. This is how I should be doing, you know, how I should be as a parent. And what a gift to be able to actually play to your gifts. Yes, 100%. And it's also going back to that um, view on true essence. Like you technically have access to all of these. Like you are this beautiful divine being with wholeness. And there's just certain parts that got missed. So that's the only reason you don't have like that access just yet, but it's going to be there. And there are going to be ones that are so natural and easy to flow through and ones that take time and you get to see the beauty in that, you know, it's, it's really incredible. Yeah. This is an exciting to me part of the healing journey that the listeners get to really contemplate and potentially add into their journey. Like it can be a missing piece. And I know it was for me, you know, I've done years of healing and tons of healing modalities and that were all key crucial parts to me, healing my eating disorder and creating the work that I do, supporting other women to heal the underlying root issues. But now I'm adding in this attachment repair piece and some of the pattern work because it has been life-changing for me just in these past two years. Just in these past two years, I'm like, as a pretty aware person who's done a lot of healing, I was like, I did not know all of this was going on. And so I really want people to have an open mind and get curious because you may think, oh, this doesn't apply to me. And I'm going to guarantee like it applies to every single one of us. Like totally. I've never met a person who it doesn't apply to. Totally. And how cool to be able to start to get curious and add this into your I want to say repertoire, but that doesn't feel like the right word, but you know what I mean? Like the self-care journey, the healing journey. Yeah. I think working on your attachment system, repairing your attachment system has been the missing link we've all been looking for. Cause all of this stuff was always playing in the background. And that's why if you're not resonating, you're like, Oh, that's weird. It's like, it's still unconscious. Right. And so you and I have been really journeying deep with this in the last few years. Like, and that's what cracked my mind open to using the adult attachment repair model with my clients, it was shifting my life so much that I was like, oh, this is a whole new avenue that really gets you to come back home to yourself and see the gifts you have. It was a different way of explaining this work than I've ever seen before. And like how cool that we have this and can support our clients in that way. Right. Because nobody can do this work alone. As no. you said, it takes two brains. 
two brains to regulate one, not one. I, and I think our society, you know, really promotes the do it yourself. I know when I even got into this line of work, I like my first program was like, you're the self healer. Like it showed my, the, the growth I've had in this journey of like, we think we need to do it all on our own. And if we need support, it's weak. I have what the main, one of the main patterns I have is the merging compensated and it took me being bedridden with a chronic illness to go, okay, maybe I need some support. Like I was so ingrained with like, I got to do it on my own. Like I don't need anyone to support me. And it's been one hell of a journey. And I couldn't have asked for a better understanding of like, it's not weak to get support. It's what we're built for. Like our number one psychological need is connection for a reason. Attachment means being connected to someone. Like it's literally our survival. It's what helps soothe our nervous system. So it's less of a, oh, you're, you can't figure it out on your own. And more like, no, we're biologically <laughs> like wired to reach and be met and to be supported. So as much as you support your kids, your partner, your friends, you you need that support too. Like nature requires balance. As much as we give, we need to receive. That's the only way we can do it. Preach. Absolutely. <laughs> Gosh, I've learned that one the hard way too. And I'm so thankful, so thankful now for the support that I've had in my life. And for the people listening who are like, okay, I need help. And they want to learn more and they're curious about support from you. What are ways that that listeners could contact you or work with you if they're really lit up right now by this conversation? Yes, thank you. So my Instagram is my.attachment.therapist. You can always shoot me a DM there. You can send me an email to Shana at shanaraytherapy.com. So that's the best way you can connect with me through DMs or shooting me an email. And if you want to work one-on-one, I do free discovery calls. So you got the big picture idea of the work I do. But if you want to understand how it can apply to you or um, what specifically, like what it looks like to be in a session, that's why I like to do those discovery calls. So we can hop on that free call and then um, dive right in. So that's the best way to connect. I will include that information in the show notes so that our listeners can find it and find you. I definitely recommend everyone that you follow Shayna, at least on Instagram, and get connected to her world and check out the resources that that she has. I know you've got different courses and programs that will be coming out too in the future. So lots of good stuff that's available. Yes, I forgot to mention, I know you're going to add it, the freebie I have if you loved diving through these personality patterns, I have that free what's your parenting pattern quiz. So if you want to kind of crack your mind open to see like what potentially are your patterns, it's a great quiz to dive into. And yeah, I'm really excited. I'm going to drop a course, I believe this fall to talk about how you can repair your personality patterns as well as attune to your kids and know how to meet them in whatever pattern they're expressing. So really excited. I love it. I'm going to go do the quiz. Yes, yes, please do. So if you're a parent or want to be a parent. You can yes. do this quiz. You don't have to have kids yet, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes. yes. Everybody go get your copy. I'm going to go do mine. <laughs> Thank you, Shana. This was awesome. I know we could talk, literally, we could do an episode on every pattern. Yeah. There's a lot of information that we covered in a little bit of time. And I'm yes. so thankful for everything that we covered. It it was nice to give people just an introduction and a taste to this type of work. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me hop on and letting me connect with your community. And I appreciate you so much. And yeah, thanks again. My pleasure. Until next time, everyone. Bye guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast. 
If you liked today's episode, make sure to follow the show so you don't miss future episodes. And if you loved it, then please share this episode on your social media or send it to loved ones who may benefit from listening too. 